0: Sometimes in our lives, we all have pain. We all have sorrows. But if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Sing with me if you know it. Lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend, I'll help you carry on, for it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. Thanks for singing with me. That was awesome. That was awesome. Oh, clap for yourself. That was cool. You know, Bill Withers was no hymn writer. But he did know a thing or two about church. Bill Withers knew, cheesy as it is, that we all need somebody to lean on. Just this week, in the midst of a lot, (laughs) I could count No less than five times, five individuals, five men in my life who I leaned on heavily this week, and I'm incredibly thankful for them, each of them, each of those moments throughout my week that really was a shift in my perspective, in my life, (laughs) because I know that I need people to lean on, and if you're honest enough with yourself, you know You need somebody to lean on. This is week 10 of Rooted. We are gathered to celebrate what God has done over the past 10 weeks through this series, through his spirit, through his church. But before we do that, we have one more pressing topic. One more topic that I think is very practical, that it's very important for where we're at culturally right now. The question is this, why is the church important? Why is the church important? Because if you're like me, I'm going to be honest. Please be honest too in your heads. If you're like me, you've thought before, I could do a better job following Jesus by myself than with this ragtag bunch. <laughs> Thank you for being honest, okay? And that's, that's, not just, that's not just Bachelor Creek Church of Christ. I've been in a lot of churches. <laughs> I've seen a lot of jacked up people do a lot of jacked up things. Here's the thing. There is no perfect church. And I praise God for that because if there was, I sure would not be a member. We are all imperfect people. We all make mistakes. And I know that there are some in this gathering and there are some watching online who have been hurt by God's people. And I'm here to tell you this morning, the church is not important because we're perfect. But the church is important. And Bill Withers... Okay, it reminded us one reason why. We need someone to lean on, simple as that. If you are naive enough to think that you can make a stand for Christ and take a step out into the world where the kingdom of darkness reigns and you are willing to take a step out there by yourself, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to help you out, don't try it because you will be attacked and you need a team of people you need the church we need somebody to lean on because we know times get tough the world's too broken it's too hard to follow christ in this world by yourself you can't do it now there are other reasons why the church is important and i have a feeling that we could find some of those answers, some of these reasons why the church is important in the book of Acts. If you have your Bibles with you, open up to the book of Acts. We're gonna start chapter one, verse one. And we're just gonna keep going through until I get tired or somebody takes me off the stage. Just kidding, we're gonna go through chapter two. I'm already tired, so we're going, to, we're going for it. Acts chapter one, verse one. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. The book of Acts is written by Dr. Luke, the same Luke who wrote the gospel of Luke. And this is a sequel to the gospel of Luke. And Luke says, hey, I told the story about this guy who arose from Nazareth, a town that everyone thought nothing good could come from, okay? And I told you about how he went around proclaiming the gospel and how he went around living the gospel by healing people, by caring for the sick and the poor and the marginalized. I told you about Christ. I told you about how Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah and he proved it not by coming to conquer with a conquering sword but by allowing himself to be conquered by God's enemies that is the Romans and be crucified and three days later he jumped up out of the grave rose from the dead and he is blessed forever amen that's the gospel Luke but Luke I imagine him sitting down in his study one day and he's like I gotta tell him the rest of the story I gotta tell him the rest of the story because life goes on and so he says, "You know, I I told you about Jesus, but there's much more to tell. There's much more to tell. Verse six, so when they had come together, this is the disciples, they asked him, this is Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. This is what we call... The Great Commission. We we often reference Matthew's version of it. Jesus' last words before he ascends to the disciples. Here in Acts, as Luke records it, Jesus says, Three words with some power be my witnesses. And don't miss this. He's looking at the most ragtag, ununified group of, I'm going to say nincompoops one of whom had just denied that he ever knew Jesus when his life was on the line. And he says, you will be my witnesses. You will be the ones who carry the message on. Jesus accomplished everything he came to accomplish through his life, death, and resurrection. When he said on the cross, it is finished, it was finished. Okay? but there was still work to be done and so god had chosen by miraculous sovereignty and foreknowledge that the church the people of god empowered by the holy spirit would be his means of drawing all people unto himself the church is god's plan to draw all people to himself the church is god's plan to draw all people to himself. And friends, there is not a plan B. This is it. This is God's plan. Flawed as we are, broken as we are, scarred as we are, sinful as we are, this is God's plan for drawing all people to himself. In the beginning, God created humanity. Humanity fell due to sin. God set apart one family, Abraham and Sarah, and he said, through you, all the nations will be blessed. In other words, through you, all the nations will be drawn unto me. But Israel continued to fail over and over and over again, and so we needed a new Israel. We needed a new king, and Christ stepped in on the scene, redeemed the world, but then Christ ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father right now. But there's still folks, you know them, who don't know the Lord. There are still folks who have not been drawn into God's family. And so God commissions the church, the disciples, the apostles, the sent ones, the people of God. You will be the ones who will draw people to God. You will be my witnesses. And I think that's a pretty powerful move. I think it's a bold move, because I know myself, I know how much I screw up. But I also know that something remarkable is going to happen tomorrow morning, Monday a.m. All of us are going to go into our workplaces. Some are going to be online, digital places, some are going to be Physical spaces. Some of us are going to be stay at home parents. But we're going to go somewhere. And we're going to be Jesus' witnesses. How do we do that? Well, how did the disciples do that? Let's take a look at verse 10. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, there we go, behold two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and the brothers. I love this so much. Picture the scene. Everyone's gathered there. Jesus says, be my witnesses. Peace. Peace ascends into heaven. And this is the posture. What do we do now? So much so, I don't know how long they stood here, but long enough for an angel to come and say, hey, go be the witnesses. (laughs) Go do it. So they were instructed to stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit had come. So before the Holy Spirit had come, they're like, okay, we gotta be here, we gotta be Jesus' witnesses, what are we gonna do? I love what they do in these verses. They do two things. You find them praying, and you find them gathering. What do you find the disciples do when they realize they have no idea what to do, but they realize they've been commissioned for a, meaty task. They get the brothers and sisters together and they pray. I don't want to just fly past this. I don't want prayer just to be a part of our lives. I want prayer to soak and immerse everything that we do as God's people. I want us to be people who walk with God daily. I want us to be a people that gets together, that gathers for the sole purpose of prayer. I love Sunday morning worship service. We get together for the breaking of bread and communion. We get together through worship, through song. We get together through the hearing of the word. But imagine what kind of power would be unleashed upon Wabash and Miami counties if we got together regularly just to pray. You've got a couple opportunities for that coming up. With Joel and Tara coming, we're going to be uh, doing a 12-hour time of prayer the Saturday before they come. You'll get more information on that. This summer, we're gonna be sending out, um, for all the kids who are going to CIY and camp, we want each kid to have two or three people praying for them that whole week. But I'm gonna make a shameless plug here this looks a lot like what we do with small groups. This is the people of God gathering together in a living room to pray for one another, to study the word, to pray for God's kingdom to come in their neighborhood. And it's a beautiful thing, and you can be a part. Next... um, there's a long narrative of how they choose a disciple to take Judas Iscariot's place because Judas had denied Christ and he was no longer with them. So that happened and the lot fell on Matthias. And I'm gonna pick up in chapter two, verse one. Now, they've been praying and they've been gathering and the Holy Spirit has still not come. Now's, now's the part where it gets good. Watch what happens when the Spirit falls upon the church, the gathering of God's people. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now let me take a quick note. This is a different kind of gathering. Pentecost in the Old Testament was referred to as the Feast of Weeks. This is one of the big three feasts that God instructed to his people in the law to gather together in one place, that is Jerusalem, to celebrate and to remember what God had done, namely God's faithfulness in Israel's lack of faithfulness. And so they gathered together in one accord, a large gathering. We're all in Jerusalem, all together in one place, to remember. That's not a line, but that's a that's a freebie. You could write remembering is what what we do as God's people. This is how we are witnesses. But I digress. Verse 2, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. At this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia Judea and Cappadocia Pontus and Asia Phrygia and Pamphylia Egypt and the parts of Libya beyond, belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome both Jews and proselytes Cretans and Arabians we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God and they were all amazed and perplexed how could this be? Saying to one another, what does this mean? I love this part. But others mocking said, they're filled with new wine. It was so unbelievable that the only way they could write it off is they're drunk. There's no way that for the modern understanding of the globe... Essentially, the ends of the earth. All nations, all people groups are gathered in one place, and all of these uneducated Galileans are preaching the gospel to us in our native tongue. There's no way this is possible. The Holy Spirit comes and embraces all the nations. The Spirit of God is a spirit of embracing. And we, the people of God, the church, are witnesses to him by embracing others. How far is your reach? Is it only extend to the people who are exactly like you? If so, that is an area where the Spirit is inviting you to grow. Because the spirit of God is a spirit of embrace. And as we are the witnesses, the church, we are a people of embracing. Listen to this. Verse 14, Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, and it's only the third hour of the day. Peter got it in the moment. Filled with the Spirit, Peter got it. In verse 16, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens, beloved, and signs above and signs on the earth below, blood, fire, vapor, and smoke. And the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. 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 If God's Spirit wasn't a spirit of embracing, I would not be here. Neither would any of you. Let us never forget that we were outside of the family of God, that we have fallen short of his standard, that we are rejected by people, and God's Spirit has embraced us, brought us into this family, called us his own, and we are his witnesses when we model this type of embracing. Peter gets up and he preaches the gospel to everyone who's there. And he concludes it in verse 36, where he says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Ouch. This Jesus, whom you hung up on a cross, is the Lord of all, and he is the Christ, the Christos, the Messiah, the anointed one of God, God's chosen. This is him. Now let's hear their reaction. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, for you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, even you. Listen to this. For the promise, the promise of God to his special family Abraham, the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Amen. Amen. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. What a day. Baptism is more than just a mere symbol. It is identifying with Christ's death and being raised to life with him and being immersed into the family of God. And it is available to all. Everyone is welcome in God's family. Even you. Even me. Let's continue on to the end of the chapter. Let's see what else the apostles are up to as Jesus' witnesses now filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were all selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So they continue on. They are Jesus' witnesses by teaching, they're teaching the good news. They are Jesus' witnesses by communing. And by communing, I mean this, this gathering together, but I also mean the sharing of the holy meal, the communion which God gave us. As he was celebrating the Passover, Jesus Christ took the bread and the wine and he says, behold, this is something new. This is my body, this is my blood. It's a gift to you that we just celebrated. They're communing with each other. They're sharing. Can you imagine a community where we were so radically sharing with one another, where we so radically just threw away our individualism that America tells us is so important, and we shared with one another, that anyone who had need, we were all fighting one another to sell our stuff and give them something. And finally, they were praising God. They were praising God. And their witness Was the lifestyle that they lived embodied the good news of the gospel? That was a witness to who God is, a witness to who God's community is, and a witness to all those around who would want to be a part of a family that they could belong to. And it was beautiful. The church is important because it is God's chosen instrument to draw all people to himself. And we do these things because that's what God's people do. And we're important not because we're perfect. Not because we do all these things perfectly. We don't. But we are important because we are chosen by God. And maybe you need to hear that as an individual today. You're not perfect, but you are chosen by God. Your value is not because of your perfection. If it were, none of us would be valuable. You're valuable because God saw value in you and he chose you. And we, the people of God, are important, are of utmost importance to him and the exercising of his will, not because we're good at it, but because he's chosen us. And we have no other choice but to respond. Sometimes I think the church doesn't throw enough parties. You ever been to a church party? Block party or a wedding or where the people of God just get down and boogie? It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. One of the uh, seven things of Rooted is celebration. And what we're going to do... Is celebrate what God has done in the past ten years. We're gonna test past ten weeks. We're gonna celebrate what God has done through His church because God moves through His church. Amen. And each of us has a story of how God has moved through His church. So to celebrate, you need two things. It's very simple. Stand. You know what those things are. Anybody? Give you a hint. The first one's a party hat. What else do you need to celebrate? What's that? I can't hear you at all. Music. Close. You need one of these. Ah! That was really bad. (laughs) (laughs) I rated these from Tyler. We need to have him buy some better stuff. Stan, relay that to him. That was... (laughs) No, you don't need those things to celebrate. You need two things. You need a reason to celebrate, and you need people to celebrate with. That's all you need for a celebration. Friends, we are the people who are gathered together to celebrate our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We've got reason to celebrate. And we've got each other. We've got a party. As introverted as I am, I can't celebrate by myself. I need you guys to celebrate. So what we're going to do as a testament to God's faithfulness, we're going to celebrate the fact that he has chosen us, that he has used us in mighty ways. And so in your pew, you have a piece of paper. It says something very simple, God moves through his church. God moves through his church. And what's going to happen is the band is going to come back out and we're gonna worship together through song, and we're gonna worship together through the celebration of what God has done in the past 10 weeks. Every one of us has been touched by God through his church in the past 10 weeks. Maybe you've been taught something. Maybe you've been corrected, rebuked. A rebuke reveals a friend, and flattery reveals an enemy. Maybe you've been brought back to center Maybe you've had a shoulder to cry on, like me this week. Maybe you've had an ear that's listened to you. Maybe you've had people pray for you. If you've been part of a rooted group, maybe this is the first time you've had a stronghold that Satan has had in you exposed and cast out and prayed for by a member of the church. So on that piece of paper... I want you to write the answer to a simple question. How has God moved through his church in the past 10 weeks? How has God moved through his church in the past 10 weeks? With this comes an invitation. Because every party has invitations. Comes an invitation to join the family of God. To take a next step deeper into the family of God. If you have never truly stepped into the family of God by baptism I would encourage you today the water is warm maybe something has stirred in you in the past 10 weeks that you want to take that step would you come forward through our song time grab a towel and head back there and be baptized maybe it's time for you to join a small group maybe it's time for you to be in an authentic community where you pray for one another and read the word together Maybe it's time for you to step out and speak to someone that you work with who you know doesn't follow Jesus, but you're afraid to talk to him about it because it'll be awkward. I invite each of us to step out as we celebrate what God has done. Would you pray with me? Christ Jesus, we thank you so much for all that you have done and for all that you will do. Thank you for choosing us unworthy vessels to further your kingdom, to be your witnesses. I pray that our celebration would be pleasing to you, that it would be glorifying to you, and that we, your people, would be your witnesses. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.